You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 11 of the Amen Corner. He's Stephen Cook. And he's Brad Rothschild. Man, it feels like Season 8, we're not really, uh, we're falling down a little on the job here. I know, I know. I'm sorry. We're, Last week was at, crazy. We're at Episode 11. We should be at like Episode like 18, maybe. Really? Did we? I don't we know. That we, many? Nah. We, we missed I, a bunch. Yeah. We missed yeah. a bunch. My travel, your traveling, travel. And family whatnot, stuff. And whatnot. And just like, all right. Yeah. Well, we're gonna pick it up in the new year. Are we? Is that our yeah. resolution? Is that the new that's year's our new year's? That's the Amen Corner's New Year resolution. And we're gonna actually do a podcast every week. That's the resolution. <laughs> we were setting the bar pretty low. Well, I mean, there were there were there were good reasons why we were obviously unable. obviously. It's not like we're just you know blowing it off. off like uh, off I don't feel sake, like it, dude. For the sake of slacking off, I mean, maybe it's I mean, an age thing. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't needed the podcast. Rest. I can't podcast the way I used to. <laughs> I just can't do it. I can't. It's I so know. weird. I don't know I what know. happened. I just, I'm just I unable to, to do it. I used to the things that I'm so tired that I used to be able to do that I, I was can't never do so tired. Yeah. Sometimes but, I'd be able to podcast twice in a day. Now I, mean, I can't do that. Now I have to get up in the middle of the podcast to pee. Like, it's just <laughs> not good. It's just not good. <sighs> All right. So well, yes. take what you can get. As long I as guess. You can pod- still, you're still podcasting. Right. I, I, be thankful for that. Exactly. Any There's guys above- our age who can barely <laughs> podcast. It's true. <laughs> Any day above ground is a good day for podcasting. <laughs> yeah. I think we so, that joke that, that joke to death. Happy so, New Year. Yes. We're almost at the New Year. And when people are listening to this, it will probably be, 20, be the New Year. Yeah. Boy, this has been a wonderful year, hasn't oh, it? 2023? I mean, there were a couple of highlights for me, but beyond that, it's well, pretty... Well, the personal highlights notwithstanding. I right. Mean, and, but, you know, I woke up with a sense of dread this morning. As, oh, really? Well, I mean, a different kind of dread than the usual dread. Because I realized <laughs> 2024, we have an election. Oh, my God. I can't take it anymore. And things could end up really bad. And as bad as we thought 2023 was, like 2024 could make it look like a joke. I was reading though, I was reading the newspaper this morning. Uh-huh. And so once again showing how old you are. Go ahead. <laughs> I actually get the newspaper. Yeah, the physical paper. You're like, what happened in the paper? You know what, the thing is I was calculating the other day how much it costs to get the Washington Post on the driveway every day. Yeah. I could buy everyone in the family. I get, well, Lauren already has one. I can buy Maddie and me each iPads, and we can all just read the paper electronically, and I would still be saving wow. money. Yeah, the Times has got to be that expensive, too. I stopped looking at how much it is because I would stop buying it. In any event, there was a big article year-end. I mean, the, the stock market's gone completely crazy. The Nasdaq's up 40%. In a good, in a good way. In a good way. Yeah, S&P up 25%. Dow Jones up 13%. No one would have expected this at the beginning of the year. But buried within the article is all of the really, really good economic news. Inflation's down to 3.1%. Yeah. There's, um, you know, a, it hasn't taken a toll on the job market. Yes, the job market's cooled, but 
the economy is still producing, creating right. like 200,000 jobs a month. you would never month. know any of this stuff from Well, that's my news. point. <laughs> I mean, Biden should be running away with this. Yeah. Just on the economic news alone. And, and then there not. was a report yesterday about how actually violent crime is down. It's way down. Murders are down. Country, except yeah. where I live. <laughs> it's up 36% in D.C. It's up in San Antonio, Texas. And somewhere in Florida, I think. But otherwise, it's even in like Chicago, the murder rate is down, like significantly. Um, But if you watch the news or if you listen to the pundits, there are two issues right now mm -hmm. that I think are sinking, other than the age thing that they're focused on with Biden. The two things that are sinking him are prices being very high. So even if we say that inflation is coming down, because it is, prices still remain well, I think food prices remain high. Yeah, a lot of things do. And then the second thing is the migrant issue. Right. Now he's getting killing, killed on. Killing on that. He's getting yes, killed the, on. And the migrant issue, to be honest with you, is a live issue. This is, this is I mean, that record number of people. Yeah, crossing the border. The cross, crossing the border. And yeah. illegally. Or or what's happening is the way the way – our border policy has been totally underfunded because each party sees it, particularly the Republicans, yeah. each party sees it as a political win for the border to be not right. in control. Right. So like people, the, the adjudication of people's cases takes a decade or more. And, and you know, the some of the governors of the border states, including Texas and Florida, especially Texas, had figured out how to make this into an issue that kills Democrats in other parts of the country by moving the migrants to well, big cities like I Chicago. Mean, it is a national problem. And yes. some of the things that like Democratic mayors, are, I mean, Eric Adams has been outspoken, yeah. but he's mostly been outspoken in getting help from the White House. You've had like the mayor of Chicago, the head of the NAACP in Chicago say some like crazy Racist it's shit. It's a big problem in Chicago. It's a huge problem in Chicago. Huge, but like saying stuff that like if some, you know, red state governor had said the world yeah. would go crazy. Yeah. And the mayor of Chicago, who's a progressive and the head of the NAACP is like, they're not speaking American, you know, whatever. They're taking – it was it's so a, bad. It, it's a big problem. And, you know, I talked to Tamar, who lives in Chicago, right. about this regularly and it's a huge issue that could sink the mayor. Not the not his comments, but the right. the fact that there are so many migrants who are Look, being brought to Chicago, and it's all it's the same argument the is, from, is that, from time immemorial, which is they're taking our jobs away. Right, who speak English? They're not from here, right. and they're sucking the resources that would come to us. Right, they're now going there. Well, here's the thing: is that Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis in this kind of evil genius kind of yeah. way because it was all theoretical for Chicagoans and New Yorkers and so on and so forth when it was happening in the Rio Grande Valley and it was overwhelming Texas cities. Now people are understanding what the real problem is. And I think that the administration does have a real problem on the border. They don't have a fix for it. They haven't gotten, obviously they haven't gotten the cooperation from half of Congress on the whole thing. But it's a real serious political problem, and it's the thing that's going to drag Biden down. Yeah, it's totally and his, the thing is, and his age. And All his age, yeah. I keep hearing is oh, about yeah. how old he is. I mean, he is old. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. But you know what? 
Trump isn't that far behind him. Trump's what, 77, 78? He's only three or four years behind him. And even with Trump's cognitive decline, which is- Clear cognitive decline. Which is well documented- he there's a perception that he's right, stronger that he's vigorous. and right. more vigorous, which is not, not necessarily true. true. No, no, no. He looks terrible at times also. I mean, what what sucks is that, the first of all, obviously it sucks that Trump has- A fighter's chance to win the election? Yeah, <laughs> and that he's basically taken over the Republican Party. I mean, that goes without well, saying- but I think the problem that the Democrats have is that I think Biden had every intention of only serving one term, but I think he's come to the conclusion that the vice president just doesn't have it. I mean, her poll numbers are horrible. So what do you do? What do you do if you're Joe Biden at this point? You got to run. You got, or do you call an audible and run somebody else and bow out? I think and, that that damages the, I think, think that, da- I mean, she, she still commands. Yeah. You know enough people within the party, but I, I will say that I will say that twenty twenty eight is going to be wide open on the Democratic. She's not if he wins. Up, hold up, there might not be an election. In oh yeah, fair point. If Trump wins, game over. There right. won't be another election that right. is that is winnable. Right, right. I mean, this is a problem. This is well, a problem. well, this is. This is that's why the, I woke up with existential dread. Existential this morning. dread. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. I think that it's a strong, strong possibility that he wins. But I also think that there's a year. There's more. Not a year. There's a lot of time. I mean, the economy. I mean, I was buoyed yeah. by that article. Yeah. Because actually, so much of the press has been so I think irresponsibly negative. Oh my god. Completely irresponsible. Irresponsibly negative. Um, yeah. So, but the other thing, and we haven't talked about it yet, and we're now a few minutes into the podcast, and we haven't even mentioned it. The other thing that could drag him down, of course, is Israel. That all of these progress, quote unquote, pro- young progressives. Yeah. And I know what your counter argument is going to be, so I'm going to make it for you before you can. Who say they're going to sit out the election because they're so angry at Biden's? pro-Israel policies. Mm-hmm. Cook, in response, is going to say, eh, young people don't vote in big numbers anyway. Well, I was going to say that. I was also <laughs> going to say that there was an interesting article in the in the Substack, The Liberal Patriot, about yeah. the progressives actually being a paper tiger. Uh-huh. Um, and that they they make more noise than, influ- than actual influence they have in policymaking or the numbers of people that they actually command. Turn out to I- vote. Well, I I actually don't think when push comes to shove, I think this is, I think the progressive threats and there was some big progressive yesterday who was like, well, we're not going to vote for, you know, like threatening to actually vote for Trump. And my view is this is an effort to try to intimidate Democrats, especially the Democrats who spend way too much time paying attention to what people say on Twix, Twitter X. Right. Um, I'm, know, I'm not entirely convinced of this. I think this is, I think, look, I think the I president, hope, I hope you're right. I think the president overestimated his ability to influence the Israeli course of the war by giving mm. Netanyahu and the government a bear hug. Yeah. And I think they, he and his advisors underestimated how the Israelis would frame this fight as a life and death one. And as a result, loosen the, terms of the rules of engagement and so on and so forth. And that the Israelis are just like, 
fuck it. And we're going to get criticized no matter what we do. That is so their we might approach. As well just do it. That's their approach. Right. Exactly. And so I think that I think he pay, he put himself in not the best position that was going to create this kind of tension, especially within a Democratic Party where the yeah. politics of Israel were slowly changing. All that said, I think through this campaign, people are going to recognize the threat that Trump poses to our democracy. I hope you're and if right. They sit down, if, they, if they sit out this election, they are complicit in I hope you're right. the election. They, it, it demonstrates for everybody that the progressives are the left, the left progressives, whatever you want to call them, are no more committed to democracy. That right. they are actually driven by their anti-Zionist slash anti-Semitic. And they, right, and they're just as nihilistic as the right. as the exactly right, as the, exactly. I think that they're they're bullies online. I think but, you're right. I hope you're right that things that al- that things align the way that we hope they will. But man, if it doesn't, I'm going to get go, canceled by them. By That's the way, okay. That's my okay. my new foreign policy piece, which dropped mm, today's what Sunday, yeah, dropped Friday. And it's see- like we got to hit the Houthis. Did I There's a real to- genuine American interest at stake here. Hold on, did this email go out? I didn't. No, see no, it. no, no. It's going to go out on the fourth because everybody's uh, away. So I, wait, and, so it dropped. Tweeted in- it. I haven't even tweeted it yet because I figured uh, yeah. most people aren't paying attention to anything. So it's out, but you haven't. Yeah, I haven't. I put it up on LinkedIn. It. I haven't. Okay. I don't X'd it or whatever it is. Because usually when these Blue things skied it, posted it. When these things, <laughs> when the email comes, yeah, yeah, that, no, that's when I know it's out. It's going to come out in the middle of the week. I figure. Wait until people are starting to get back to their desks. That makes so sense. So. Anyway, that makes sense. so I just so you're going to you know, get canceled. Yeah. One of my really? one of my buds I sent it to one of my foreign policy buds I sent it. He's like, oh, warmonger. I was like, he's like, you're going to get canceled. I was like, Stephen bring it Cook, on. Stephen Cook, warmonger. <laughs> yeah. I know you always like a good war. You're like a neocon. <laughs> you haven't been a war that you didn't, that you don't like. Stephen Cook, neocon, warmonger. Um, so <laughs> An old besides, word, besides like podcasting that. more regularly. Yeah, regularly. Yeah. What's your uh, what's your New Year's? Re- Do you have any New Year's resolutions? You know my position on New Year's resolutions. <laughs> That's why I asked you. I know, you're just like teeing me up here. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna throw a softball. You better hit it over the fence because this is the one <laughs> shot you get all year long. You know my feelings, and anyone who listens to the podcast really knows how I feel about New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Every day is New Year's if you want it to be, Steve. <laughs> you can change yourself anytime. Anytime. You just, you just have to want it. I know. That's why people are always like, I'm going to do this starting on Monday. Exactly. Fuck that. It's Tuesday. Yeah. I'm going to eat all the donuts I want, and then Monday I'm not going to eat donuts. Come on, man. No, man. Anytime. You can change yourself anytime, but you have to want to, you have to be willing to put in the work. My New Year's resolution Here is we to go. actually eat more donuts. <laughs> Is it really? I don't think that that's your New Year's resolution at all. No, I don't have any. I don't have any. Because life is good, other than I mean, the existential dread and the. Is it, I, mean, I feel very fortunate about a number of things. I'm like you, live in some existential dread about our political situation and our global situation. That's why but, we have this podcast, by the way. But on a personal level, although I'll say, you know, Lauren's recent injury has been <sighs> not good. Not good. It was funny. I was saying to Maddie and me, I was like, you know, 
we're feeling like I know we're all feeling unsettled because mommy's you know injured and it's harder and there's a lot more on each of us and it's very unsettling and whatever. And they just kind of looked at me like, "What are you talking about? What are you talking about?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I'm the one who's so unsettled. Lauren's the anchor for me. They're moving on. Girls are totally fine. I'm like, ah, ah, I don't know what to do with myself. I can't handle it. Lauren's yeah, but injured. the kids are doing their own thing. Whether you, they're like, oh yeah, mom's hurt. That's right. <laughs> Actually, oh, my really? kids have been absolute superstars in being helpful. Like Lauren has, she was finally able to get upstairs and get into the shower. Before that, Mia and I were giving her like sponge baths, oh, man, and Mia was washing her hair in the in the sink of our powder room, which is on the main floor of the house. So it doesn't, hurt, it doesn't hurt Lauren to bend over, like to have her head in the sink like No, that. she it was it or actually did sitting. hurt. So so she was sort of she was at she was bent as much as she could possibly be. Yeah. And then finally she's been able to get upstairs. And then Maddie is like putting on a bathing suit and basically helping her in the shower. Oh my God. Um that kind of stuff. And you know, Maddie's like making the you know doing the berries preparing berries and stuff in the morning and helping with making dinner and so on my kids have been absolute superstars uh, really great but i'm but it, You're it a mess. turns out i'm the one who's like emotionally turned out by the whole lauren injury thing and they're like we're cool we're totally yeah. fine this is i'm sorry to say and i don't this is not an apples apples comparison right this is why when women predecease their husbands right the they men, get married again, or they get married again, or they just or they die and die because they can't take care of themselves. It's true. My my sister and I always say, if my if my mother had died before my father, it, uh, we would have had a total disaster on our hands. My father would have lasted fifteen minutes without my mom. <laughs> fifteen, but, maybe. I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lauren's yeah. grandfather got mar- remarried within like a year of Lauren's grandmother dying. Yeah. So either they get remarried right away. Or, they, they like as you said, they crumble. I remember my parents' best friend, my mom's best friend of four to six years, died very, very suddenly in 1999. Like she stood up from bed and said, I have a headache, and then collapsed. Damn it. And died. And I remember her daughter having to teach her dad how to set the alarm. Oh, my God. Like the alarm, the like, alarm clock. Yeah, like doesn't know like anything. Like he had no idea. Yeah, doesn't know anything. No idea. That's also a generational thing. Right. I think yeah. like the, back in, you know, our parents' generation and before then, men were responsible for bringing home the money yeah. and women were responsible for, for like keeping everything, home. everything else. Right. Right. So, I mean, I think I've mentioned to you before, my father never picked up a dish to bring right. to, the, to the dishwasher, like to even carry it and put it in the dishwasher. Right. He didn't do. Right. You know, right. I remember when I had just gotten married, Michelle and I had just gotten married, and Michelle was working as a consultant at Pricewaterhouse, and her hours were insane, Crazy, sure. and she was traveling a lot, and I was on the phone with my father one night, and I'm like washing pots and pans after, you know, dinner. And my dad's like, what's that noise? I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing the, the dishes. He's like, where's Michelle? <laughs> i'm like she's at work dad <laughs> and it was just like that generation like i think he, my dad was i think my dad was more more helpful i do remember yeah, i don't know was. about on like a daily i think he i think he 
emptied the dishwasher and stuff. I do remember like if we had Passover at our house and there were like 20 people, my dad would be up early the next morning, like putting away the china and so on and so forth. If we but, grilled, if there was like a grill going, my dad was at that. But that's about but otherwise that was yeah, it. That was about, yeah. yeah, no, I think that's true. I don't think my father ever cooked anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> my dad's yeah. favorite thing was sitting at the kitchen table with his newspaper and saying, "Can somebody bring me something cold to drink?" <laughs> that's <laughs> Michael Cook did that stuff too. <laughs> and and Michael Cook would be like. I sat across from him, but I was like sort of in the corner. And he'd be like, Steven, can you get up and get me the orange juice? Yeah. And he would, be, he would be like way closer to the fridge. Yeah. 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 Not, not good. No, so anyway, no. getting back to it, like I, I, I think I realized the other day that I was the one that was completely. So you're a mess. I'm a mess. The you're kids mess. are all right. And they've been phenomenal. Yeah, but you're a um, mess. So that's, that's a good thing. That's uh, unfortunate. For that, um, I mean, I have a lot of things to we all be, do feel fortunate about, yeah. and despite how kind of every you know, I think I feel like every year for the last six or seven years we've been like, oh, maybe the next year will be better, and it just keeps getting worse. Well, right, and this is what I, I was saying to Lauren. I was like, did you ever think when we first got married that all the things that we knew we would worry about when we were in our fifties, and then some, and then all yeah. these other things? But you know, it's worse for our kids. Yeah. Right. Because they haven't had a break. They haven't they, had that like. But also, there's no like, li- there's no light at the end of the tunnel for them. Right. Like yeah. I, I'm, we've talked about this about how our kids are freaked out, rightfully so, about climate change. Yep. Like that hangs over their heads every day. Every day. Right. And like yesterday, when it's like 55 degrees out in New York City, and like it's great, but at the same time, like. It should not be 50 It should not be the case. Like, this is the, the time you're December. supposed to be bundling up hats, and, gloves. And it's crazy. And, you know, this is something that bothers them every Look, day. This, every is, day. this is how crazy it is. We have, in our entryway, we have, like, those cubbies where everybody – so we have heavy jackets for the odd day it's been cold. Yep. We oh, have, yeah, you can't – there's no way to plan for – Right, right. So we yeah. have, like, every kind of piece of clothing – yeah, it's out there. Like my running exactly. stuff, I still have shorts because I could wake up and it could be shorts weather. You never know, right? Yeah, we used to have four seasons. Yeah, we don't anymore. We exactly. have two. Sometimes it's it's bad. So for our kids, right? Like we're handing them piles of shit. Yeah, and they have to deal with them. And quite frankly, a lot of them don't want to deal with it because they say like it's not fair, and they're not wrong. They're not wrong at all. And they're not wrong. And I mean, we've discussed this. Jordan and and Seth, they're basically the same age. Yeah. Right? And maybe Seth's a little bit older than Jordan. Seth's a little older, but yeah. So, like, their lives have spanned, you know, (laughs) 9-11, the war in Iraq, the election of Trump. Yeah. Financial crisis. Financial crisis, Trump. Yeah. COVID. And maybe Trump again. Yeah. That's COVID, fucking... COVID was horrible, obviously. There was one. I mean, the one bright spot was the election of Obama. Like, it seemed like America was overcoming, you know, 
Yeah, but look at the backlash. With its past. And, and then the there's backlash. a backlash. Yeah, and we're still in that backlash. Right, exactly. We might be for the foreseeable future. I mean, it's hard to see how we get out of this. I, I mean, look, we're now, you know, back to our old doom, gloom and doom, yeah. which is what, what we've heard from some of our listeners. Like, eh, don't talk about politics so much. So... But, okay, let's not. But, but we are, look, the end of the year is obviously a time for reflection and the right. beginning of a new year. Maybe I should think about it as the beginning of a new year rather than the end of, of one year. But it is yeah. a time for reflection. And, you know, we do have to contemplate the fact that while personally things, you know, we're happy about many things in our lives and grateful, but it's still like the overall environment is tough out there. Yeah. It's tough. And, and, you know, when you don't have an adult, a fully formed adult brain to deal with it. Even if you do, I can't Well, that's what I'm saying. It's that. like, it's hard enough yeah. for me on a daily basis. But when you're 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. And then add to it, like, just, you know, the, my, that is going to go off to college next year. College campuses are really in bad shape. Yeah, a I think a lot of, of call, I think a lot of universities are broken. Um, you know, good times. We haven't. We haven't. Twenty twenty four. We haven't even broached the issue of Claudine Gay and Harvard. Oh, well, we're not going to. <laughs> we're not. We're not going to because I don't want to talk about all this all the time. All right. I'm sure you know you talk about it all the time too. And nobody has an interesting perspective anymore. It's just like I'm not hearing anything new from anyone about any of this. On on anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Exactly. Well, it's like all this stuff on Israel. Like, you know, um, David Ignatius, foreign policy columnist for the Washington Post, had this like big thing about like you can't have security unless the Palestinians are part of it. I'm like you know, no one's really had a new idea in a really, yes, really yes, long so. time. I mean, what do you think the Palestinian Authority and its security forces were all about? I mean, yeah. like, come on, man. That's the saddest part about this whole thing. The contours of what shit should look like have been there for oh, yeah. two generations. Right, right. Friedman wrote a piece the other day about how, you know, the choices that people make and, you know, Gaza could look like Dubai. And like, how many times has he written? How many times was that written? Seriously. After Israel's withdrawal in 2005 or Seriously. prior to it. And so on and so. I mean, it's not wrong. People make certain choices. The Israelis made certain choices to uh, undermine the patent. But the Palestinians, you know, had made choices as well. But, like, it's the same thing over and over and over again. And for someone, like, it's, to me, it's just, uh more of this. Yeah, it's just, oh, my God. It's too much. It's too much. I saw something yesterday I want to. I'm going to get this right. We were upstate just for the day, like took a drive north. Nice. Where'd you go? Beautiful Poughkeepsie? We passed Poughkeepsie, and I <laughs> thought of you, obviously. We went to Kingston. Yeah. Yeah. And and in downtown Kingston, there was like a graphic. Kingston's, you know, upstate New York is starting to get like cool. It, exactly. I, exactly. I had to give a talk in the Berkshires. Yeah. And the organizers told me to get off Amtrak in Hudson, New York. Yeah. And Hudson, New York is gorgeous. Dude, like a cool Main Street coffee shops. It's Mich like Michelle. It's like Bobo on, Paradise. Michelle saw on Instagram, which is one of the things that we did up there, this like unbelievable sushi restaurant. 
that like people are coming from Manhattan to go to the sushi place. Rich's sister lives up there. She lives in Beacon. I got a couple of friends from Vassar who are like, oh yeah, I want to move to the Mid-Hudson Valley. I'm like, what? So, okay. So I'm in the Mid-Hudson Valley. Yeah. And on the main street, there's like a graphic design shop. Yeah. And in the window, there are printed handbills where it says Gaza must live. They're for Gaza must live. But Gaza right, must live, but right above that, trans people belong here. <laughs> so again, it's this like whole notion of woke yeah. people associating with Palestinians. And I wonder if in Gaza, there are a lot of signs that say trans people belong here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not so much. And I look, I'm not going to engage in a, oh, where's it better for trans people? No, where's it for trans people? I mean, everybody, but, anybody with the, with the thought in their, with their head screwed on straight, it's like, you know, when you see the queers for Palestine, it's like saying yeah. chickens for KFC. Exactly. Chickens for Colonel Sanders, right? Like, <laughs> right. I invite any trans person to visit the Gaza Strip and report back their findings. That's all I'm saying. You know, one of these, one of these, Hamas is not a progressive organization. Right. One of these, one of these right wing groups. I mean, it was, they were very clever. I think it wasn't the David project. It was, it was, and this was a bunch of years ago. They would, you know, on the occasion of like, when all these schools would have Israel apartheid week, they would put up these giant posters of like, you know, Hamas dragging a homosexual in Gaza by, you know, at the end of a motorcycle and so on and so forth. And it's like justice in Palestine, you know, with big letters and so on and so forth was very effective. Of course, they got in trouble for it. Yeah. Well, which, you know, gives you the topsy turvy kind of moral universe of many schools and their administrators. But, you know, um, it was very, it was clever and effective. But, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, for, for years, Jordan and I have been joking about like, when is it going to be, when are they going to have El Kudse at Yankee Stadium? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my God, dude. Just do not conflate that with that day. Imagine that day. By the way, you know, you know the story of me in the summer 97, the summer I spent like eight, nine weeks living in Ramallah. And I took a I took a service taxi from Jerusalem to Ramallah. Those were the days you just like went. Yeah. There was no wall or anything yeah. like that. And you know, I didn't really have Palestinian any Palestinian dialect at the time. Right. I had Syrian. I had some Syrian, but mostly I spoke modern standard. I had spent that summer in Syria, so I knew some of it. Whatever. Right. But like the service taxi drops you at the main square in Ramallah, yeah. and I had the address that I was staying at. For the summer, but there's no real road signs anywhere in Ramallah. Lot, lots of cities don't don't in the Middle East don't have road signs and so on and so forth. So I'm I've got like my backpack in my hand and I'm just kind of like standing there. And there's just and this is really good times in Ramallah. It was the summer. There's a lot of American investment. A lot of Palestinian American families that come back for the summer, right? And so on and so forth. And I'm just kind of like, okay, I got to figure this one out. And all of a sudden, this guy is standing in front of me. He's like, hey, yo, can I help you? He's so wearing a Yankees cap. Uh-huh. It was Mo. 
Muhammad, yeah, yeah, Palestinian American kid from New York. I was like, this is, I was like, this is where I got to go. You know where it is? He's like, let me take you, and yeah. he took me. Yeah. And just like the Yankee Stadium El Kuds Day thing, just <laughs> made me think of Mo, the New Yorker Palestinian guy. He was probably about my age. I saw him a couple. I like ran into him a couple other times during the summer, <laughs> so including funny. in another service taxi. We were both going to Jerusalem, and we were like talking to Yankees and stuff. Like, what's up, Mo? <laughs> And then, of course, you know this. You're but of course, there was still a checkpoint. Yeah, and he had his blue shield. I had my blue shield, but everybody else. Yeah. So they fun. like barely these Israeli soldiers didn't glance at us. Like we saw the blue shield, and they were like, "Ah, we can't fuck with them." But everybody else kind of got messed around with. But you know what this story reminds me of? Yeah. You remember the front page of the New York Post when Gaddafi got killed? <laughs> Of there course, is, it's in my book. It's in my Libyan, book. Paul's Olivian wearing a Yankee hat. So you know that. killed, and it said guy had more hits than Averhot. <laughs> you, you know that there is a reference to the Yankees in every book I've written except the first oh. one, including go the one that's coming out. You got to go back and revise the first one. Though. <laughs> What's the Yankee reference? A little teaser. What's the Yankee reference in the new book? Nope. Come on, got to read it. Give me, give I call it. I call it the secular. I call something the secular temple to America's pastime. Oh, I wonder what that could be. Wonder what it could be. Okay, it looks like we're going to wrap this episode now, and 2023 is going to be a wrap. Oh. Uh, we'll hope for better times in the year I really ahead. do hope for better times for everybody. And brace ourselves for if it's if they're not better times, but you Dude, can count just, on us to be here to get you through the hard times <laughs> i hope so i'm just thinking about this camp upcoming presidential campaign i, I don't know if i can live through it man well i may have to go back to portugal or something there you go enjoy enjoy your time out of the country <laughs> and the going gets tough you yeah, come out of here going. <laughs> going gets tough, i'm out of here i'm out well, i'm not that tough i can't take it Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. All right. All right, we're out. <laughs>